Captain's Log, Episode 48. This week's episode of the Beer Avengers podcast is sponsored by Astoria Beer and Cheese Ditmars, located at 35-11 Ditmars Boulevard in Astoria, Queens. Get your tickets now for the first ever Boss Lady Brews event on October 16th from 7 to 10 p.m. Help us celebrate the amazing women behind some of New York's finest craft brew and cider houses, including Fifth Hammer, Graft, Hudson North, Interborough, Wild East, and more. $55 gets you open bar, food, prizes, and the opportunity to meet the brewers and taste some of their newest releases. 10% of all ticket sales go to the Lilith Fund and will be matched by 12% Beer Project. Enjoy the eclectic array of craft beer, artisanal cheeses, and specialty grocery items. At Astoria Beer and Cheese Ditmars, home bar to yours truly, Captain Porter Brown Stout. Also sponsored by the Pony Bar at 1444 1st Avenue on Manhattan's Upper East Side at the corner of 75th Street. Open since 2009, the Pony Bar is one of New York City's craft beer pioneers, the first bar in New York City to exclusively pour American brewed beer, and of course, the birthplace of the Beer Avengers. Check out their new extended happy hour from 4.20 to 6.20 Tuesday through Friday, and on Mondays enjoy all-day happy hour plus $2 tacos. This week, Captain Beer Wonder welcome a very special guest, Dan McLaughlin, owner of the place where our beer personas were formed, the Pony Bar. We waited 48 episodes to have the proprietor of the place where I've personally logged close to 600 unique pours because we wanted to wait until we were truly ready. Whether we were properly prepared is your call, but we want to thank Dan for 12 years, so far, of the Pony Bar and a fascinating and revealing interview. Stay gold, Dan. Remember to like, star, and subscribe whenever that feels appropriate. And send us your emails at thebeervengers at gmail.com if you have any questions, suggestions, or if you just like hearing us talk about you on the show. And now, without further ado, please enjoy episode 48, Straight from the Pony's Mouth. Well, with the beer, 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 vengers, beer, 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 vengers, beer, 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 vengers. Where the beer vengers. Welcome to the beer cast, everyone. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Astoria, Queens, I am Captain Porter Brownsdout. And coming to you from an undisclosed location in the county of Kings, it is I, the beer wonder. And we are. The Beervengers. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We are the Beer Avengers. Uh, you're the Beer Avengers. We're all the Beer Avengers. Uh, we're really excited to be with you today, especially because we have a long sought after guest on the show. Yes, uh, anyone, uh, anyone who's who knows anything about beer in New York and definitely been listening to the podcast, you know about the Pony Bar uh, in on the Upper East Side, and we are very happy to have with us the owner, the proprietor, the man behind the the beer, uh, Dan McLaughlin, uh, here on the show today, and we're we're and welcome to the show, Dan. Glenn, thank you so much for having me. It's real great to be on. Been a long time. 
Yes, it has. It has. It's been a long time for, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been going to the Pony. Been uh, been a long time since we've been able to hang out there as much as we like to. But I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad the Pony's still hanging as in there. We talk a lot about, we talk a lot about uh, the, the places that have been struggling. And uh, I know you have as well, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you're 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 there. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, we're glad too. I'm, I'm I'm too long in the tooth to do anything else in life, so this is it. <laughs> How you doing, Xavier certain, Wonder? Uh, you know, I'm I'm living my best indoor life one day at a time. I can't believe it's almost October. Yeah. What is what is that? I mean, it it's all. I'm almost ready for my pumpkin beers. Almost, almost there. Uh, the weather would co- would uh, cooperate. I know, I know. Well, it was supposed to be like in the like in the low t- or high twenties or twenties, sixties today. So I was like, yeah, great, I'll open up a pumpkin beer. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 getting to be fall. I can't believe it. And how are things in the captain's world? Oh, they're 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 good. They're good. I uh, you know, I've been uh, staying mostly uh, local lately, but I'm uh, still looking forward to that big uh, that big festival we're we're all. Uh, oh, that's head true. Into the, the week, yes, indeed. Um, we've got a great show. Uh, we've got fresh pours. We got, uh, Dan, obviously, and, yes. uh, I'm sure something about the weekend beer, uh, will probably pop up and whatever else, uh, uh, we've inspired you before we do any of those. Uh, I think it's time to get to the pours, isn't it? Uh, clearly. And you know, here's the thing. It, it is only polite if our long sought after guest All right. takes the first pour today. Well, absolutely. I wouldn't have it any so other it- way. We're not even going to do the bit. Yeah, Dan, Dan, yeah. what do you have? We're just there? jumping straight in on this one. I'm excited to have this. Ooh. This is from Drown Lands. Drown Lands is nice. in the okay. Warwick area of uh, upstate New York or downstate New York, depending on where in New York you are. But if you're in the city, one of the five boroughs, then it's upstate New York. It's near Newburgh. Um, but Drown Lands, this is a, a fruited sour IPA. It's 7.5%. Um, I think it's got some lactose in it. Uh, it definitely has a lot of fruit. Nice. Yeah, vanilla mosaic. Pink guava and raspberry. It's seven and a half percent. It's probably going to have a bit of a pink hue on the pour. Oh, exciting! Well, let's see that. Yeah, in our beautiful pony teku, love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, super pink. Look at that. Oh, it it real intensely pink, Uh, and uh, very slight head production. Looks like it's going to have some bigger bubbles there. Yeah, Yeah, it's sticking around. Oh, that looks fantastic. I need to get you guys a couple of these glasses next time I see you on the Upper East Side. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I, uh, I, now, uh, I, I, I feel like, well, you know, uh, Beer Wonder, uh, you, you let me yes. go first last time. Of so course. I think, uh, and I also, I, I should mention, uh, as you heard at the top of this show, not since we've been talking, but what I'll be recording after we do this, uh, this show is co-sponsored. As always, we're sponsored by Story of Beer and Cheese Ditmars, but this week we are also co-sponsored by The Pony Bar. And The Pony Bar... <laughs> Has uh, Dan and the Pony Bar have supplied us with all our beers today, so every beer you see on the show today will be a sponsored pour. That's right, a sponsored pour from the Pony Bar. Oh my goodness! Let's see what you have there. Dreams come true, Captain, don't they? So here's the thing: Uh, I'm starting out with uh, a a beer I am very excited about. It's the Lawson's Finest Liquids Super Session Number Eight Mosaic. So thank you, Dan, for this one. Uh, It is a session style IPA that is described as tasty and quaffable. And if you're a longtime listener, you know how much I love that word. So let's check out how quaffable this thing actually is. Absolutely, let's see it. All right. Good and very nice crack. Thank you. Oh, 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 very nice color there. Good gold, look, stra- kind of strawish color. We're getting solid head buildup on that. 
Yeah, not as hazy as I thought it might be. No, pretty clear. Nice and clarified. Yeah, it's a little... Very good. Yeah. Uh, and right off the nose, the, the quaffability is evident from, from the from the get-go. What's the ABV on that one? I mean, it's it's just a casual uh, 4.8, so um, I might have okay. to. We'll see. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, I also have... Uh, I'm not going to play the sound again, but another sponsor <laughs> for, uh, from the Pony Bar... That Dan uh, graciously gave me. It's a uh, it's from Greenpoint, mm. and this is the Yes Man Keller Ooh. beer. Had a lot uh, of really great stuff from uh, Greenpoint. So I'm especially looking yeah, forward yeah, yeah. to this one. And oh, there we go. Uh, good right. crack on that one. Oh, nice. And pouring this into uh, a while back uh, when there were when there were two pony bars, uh, yes. one on the, the when the one on the in Hell's Kitchen closed. Uh, you sold a lot of the glassware because it wasn't all going to make the trip. So that is why I have this original pony glass. Is that the uh, eight ounce beer, eight ounce glass? It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, uh, that's a classic right there. Look at that. Okay, so good head production on this one. Uh, clear, fairly clear. Yeah. Nice. Uh, fairly so. Yeah. Okay. For uh, yeah, it was, yeah, Zwickel or uh, Zwickel or Keller or whatever mm-hmm. your preferred uh, is there. But yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I think it's time. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. Come pie. Mm. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's a really nice uh, fermented lager. Ethan, what glass is that you're using right there? Uh, This is a glass that says pie on it. It is a pizzeria in Chicago, yes, uh, and a few other areas, yes. Uh, no, I have, ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with the number pi. I memorized it, I think, in like 10th grade for extra credit in math class. Uh, so how many so, digits? A uh, hundred digits. Only a hundred, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's nothing. But because of that, uh, I, there's always a pie glass in my collection, uh, and this just happens to be the one that has been making its way through. We had, at this point. The, so I recognize that logo as this. In the early yeah. days, probably 2009, 2010 in Hell's Kitchen, somebody bought us a, a growler from there. And it sat on display mm. for a long time, for years and years and years. Um, I don't know what became of it. But I did know, I, you know, I knew it was a pizzeria. I, I think I think that's a brilliant, brilliant name for a pizzeria. Oh, you yeah. Know, I also think, I oh, also absolutely. Think, of course it is. I yeah. also think a great name would be like, you know, 3.14 would be a, and just as people yes. see, <laughs> it might be lost on a lot of people, but maybe not. Or like if everyone called it pie, but the logo just said yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's like yeah, you know, you know where it is, you know pie, right? It, I think <laughs> makes it in certain cities like would pick up on that. Smaller towns further afield may not be as savvy, you know. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, it's all like whether you're yeah, in, exactly uh, right, exactly right. I- I, I, I feel a new a new Pony Bar spinoff concept coming because honestly, pizza and beer are the ideal combo. So uh, ideal. all right, watch out. They right? are the ideal combos, and I did do the I did yeah. get the, the merit badge for pizza and beer a number of years ago. Um, I did, yeah. Uh, 2014, 2015, when we opened a concept called uh, Kiabaka Pizza, which I believe is no longer, mm-hmm. and it was pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it did not survive the, but I, I enjoyed that place. It a was lot. popular. It had its fans. Um, people either loved the pizza and thought our beer selection could have been better, or they thought the beer selection was amazing and the pizza was just so-so. But we did. I did try the pizza and beer, and I may try it again in the future. We'll have to see. You know, I love I love pizza. Who doesn't? I, How I, could yeah, you not? I do too. I realized well, I didn't say it. this. Uh, this Zwickel, depending on your uh, this uh, Zwickel Keller or Land beer. Uh, is a four point six percent. Ooh, 
perfect for starting out your afternoon drinks. Exactly. It is. Exactly. It is. It's the, the beginning of the 420 period over at uh, Pony Bar for sure, although it's a little early today for that. It's okay. Day drinking right. is always acceptable. <laughs> well, Dan, tell us about your beer. Uh, tell us a little bit about the brewery. How's it tasting? What are you smelling? All that I'm getting stuff. some... I think it's lactose, but I don't see lactose on the can. I do see vanilla on the can, so that's probably what it is. Um, I've had this beer a couple of times in the past. Big Drownlands uh, fan. We try we try mm-hmm. to pour their stuff at the Pony Bar when it's available. In fact, we have a keg of their Hefeweizen on right now. Um, oh, nice. I think it's called Gather, and that's their wheat beer. Um, we do a lot with their cans. We do a lot of their double IPAs, their sour IPAs, their fruited sours, and then if available, their, you know, their regular IPAs. But they have a, a pretty wide portfolio right now. Um, but their stuff's exceptional. Um, it sells really well. It's one of these breweries that has limited distribution and it's sort of too far to go to on a regular basis. You know, it's probably an hour and change mm-hmm. outside the city, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Huck had one of their beers on a little while ago. I think I, I think he had gotten it straight which, from the source. He they'd been which on a bar trip was that? Up there. Oh, uh, the Drown Lands. He'd oh, been to the brewery yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I've, I've tried on a couple of occasions to make it up there, but they're only open. I want to say Thursday through Saturday or th- Thursday through Sunday, maybe. Yeah, and they don't. Uh, they're limited, obviously with COVID and everything, and it's really limited hours. Um, yeah, but I will get there sooner than later. I'll get there. I'll probably get there certainly before Christmas, but uh, looking forward to checking mm-hmm. it out. So, yeah, their beers are very well received. They sell, they sell quick, quickly, you know. I think one of the reasons why they sell quickly is that not everybody has them. They're short of... They're right. the true, true. Um, we have a pretty adventurous clientele that'll try stuff they're not familiar with. So, they'll usually... Yeah, I think that was that was certainly one of my appeals of of the pony to begin with because I I wasn't familiar with a lot, oh, yeah. and so once I started, I always wanted to say like you know that's that's excitement when they we ring the bell and everyone yells out new beer, new beer, and I'm like okay, I, I like some of the stuff on the list, but what's going yeah, up now? Yeah, um, when we had the old slats, yeah, oh, slats. When we went to um, a digital screen in 2011, the spring of 2011, after being open two years, we sort of gave those slats away via Facebook, and anybody that wanted them could say, I, you know, I, oh, I want this or I want that, I want this, you know. Um, yeah. And we, that's how we got rid of them. And people over the years have posted them from their wherever they put them up, <laughs> and I've seen, you know, I've seen them. You know, people have moved to Pittsburgh, they've moved to Los Angeles, they've moved home to wherever they're from, St. Louis, and they put these slats up, you know, the brewery, the beer, the ABV. Yeah, yeah. And then it's pretty wild, you know? So so tell me, uh, Beer Wonder, what do you think of the uh, of the Lawson's there? Well, it, I mean, it's delicious. I'm going to, I know Dan uh, picked these for us, and so I'm going to, I'm a little curious to know a little bit from you, Dan, about uh, what you know about Lawson's Finest Liquids. I've done a little research. I know they're Vermont-based and that their sessions sort of specialize in different styles of hops. This one very much tastes like mosaic hops. It's got that earthiness. It's got that pininess, a little bit of that spice, uh, a little bit of a nice fruit undertone. Uh, it's going down way easier than it yeah. should. I have now fill, refilled the glass. Uh, so clearly it's heading back down, but I could absolutely, this is sort of, it's got that spice quality that I like, especially as we're moving into fall temperatures that kind of warms you up a little bit more. It's not the the juicy fruity bomb thing. It's a little bit more spicy earthy, which I'm, I'm digging. Lawson's so. is a very popular brewery. They're new. They're not new to New York city now, but they've been in the market probably three years or four years. Um, 
Yeah, I remember that for a while they were on that same list with yes. Teddy Topper of like, yeah, oh, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the Holy Grail it kind was, of a thing. It was, it yeah. was like the Trinity. It was Alchemist, which is the Hetty Topper crew, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Farmstead, and Lawson's. And it was like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the only way to get these beers was to drive four days to Vermont through the woods, <laughs> yeah. camp out, wait in line in the rain, and then get these beers and come back and, you know. Yeah. But 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 now uh, they're readily available. They have distribution in the city. They're with a good company called Serene. Um, you know mm-hmm. their their beers sell really well. They're they're great. Uh, they're sort of known for the for yeah. their hop forward beers or IP. You know the Sip of Sunshine's or mm-hmm. flagship. Um, right. We get them on quite a bit. Uh, yeah. We right now today we're offering their Pilsner and cans, Scrag Mountain Pilsner, which is. Uh, it was a new beer for them, I think, or it was new new to distribution, I should say. And uh, mm-hmm. we'd never had anything that wasn't hot forward from them, so I grabbed it when I saw it, and uh, selling well. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a terrific beer, and I know I've had their sip of sunshine; it's pretty spectacular. So it's nice to see them continuing to to innovate. Uh, I think I actually have had sip of sunshine probably at it's the very pony. possible. Uh, it's very possible. <laughs> Seems very likely. Yeah, um, we used to pour more right. frequently in the past, but we we do still mm-hmm. carry their products, you know. Um, in 2010 at BCTC at that Belgian comes to Cooperstown thing in uh, Brewery Ohm again, right. I had the good fortune to camp as sort of adjacent to Sean Lawson, the owner of Lawson's. And uh, oh, nice! Even then, he was really ahead of the curve on the vision of what he wanted from his brewery. You know, um, so yeah, really nice guy. Really nice guy. I've seen him a couple times since. Um, when they used to do super limited drops in the city on kegs, we always usually got one. Um, uh, but now their stuff's readily available. I think some of their more common beers, like the Super Session and the Sip of Sunshine, I think they're contract brewed uh, out of law, out of uh, Two Roads in Connecticut. But everything, but everything okay. else, I think, comes primarily out of their brewery in Waitsfield, Vermont. Yeah, I, this one does Very appear good. to be con- based on the can. It does look like it was coming out of Connecticut, which makes sense. But yes, yeah, well, they got to expand it. Otherwise, they got to expand. Make it this Otherwise, far. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we're all going to be camping in the woods for four days to try and get our favorite beers. So. And that's fun once, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's good to get to do that and get that merit badge and then move on. You know. <laughs> well, for, fortunately, Dan, the one you gave me uh, is one that's a little easier to find. I can actually get to this place on a yep. bicycle. Uh, is uh, Greenpoint uh, Greenpoint Brewery? It's yeah. funny. I'm not. They haven't always been quite at the forefront, mostly because the, their beers, including this one, aren't necessarily the, the first style I always gravitate towards. And it's always good to to find one. Like for instance, earlier this summer, uh, we did their White yep. Boy Summer, yep. which uh, yep. I was drawn to because because was just a hilarious name, yep. and the can art was fantastic, uh, and it, and it was a really great beer. I recently also had their current Oktoberfest uh, Marzen style is a really good one. And yep. this one I'm really enjoying as well. It's, it's got, uh, I'm not, I kept trying to look up exactly what is a Keller beer. I know that it is a, is a, uh, bottom fermented lager. Uh, and so because it's bottom fermented and, and because it also has that, some kind of extra funkiness that's like not dissimilar for some of the stuff I get in the Belgian beers, I think, uh, not quite as, as strong, but definitely a little funkier than your average, uh, lager. Um, cause it's been fermenting down in the cellar, which is, uh, I found out that's what Keller beer means is cellar beer. Greenpoint beer works out of, uh, they did an expansion recently. They were on a five barrel system for a number of years and they lost, their, they oh, wow. lost their lease, had to relocate. When they relocated, they went to a larger 20 barrel system. So their stuff is re- more readily available. Um, mm. their, their beers are incredible. Again, most, a lot of their stuff is 
hop forward, but the last year or two, they their Oktoberfest. I tried to order it twice, sold out twice. Um, oh yeah, but we usually grab a lot of their stuff. Uh, they're great people to work with. I've actually never been there to their facility. Well, not the new one, but uh, it's on my list. You know. Yeah, this was one night uh, a couple months ago, and we were all hanging out in Brooklyn at Grimm, and we decided, well, let's go somewhere else. And uh, Interboro was closing up early. So we said, uh, let's head over to Greenpoint. Yeah. <laughs> so we just uh, went there for like a, just a one quick beer at the end of the night. And I, uh, I look forward to going back for a more extended stay. Yeah. They, in the city, they still self-distribute. Dis, dis, uh, so, you know, they're usually around the Upper East Side on Wednesdays. And then we, we, I would say out of every brewery in New York City that self-distributes, we do more business with them than any other one. Yeah, we do a lot with Grimm, but they have a distributor. We do a lot with an awful lot with Threes, but they also have a distributor. You know. All right. Well, Dan, uh, I I uh, I know we've we've actually teased out a little of your story already, but uh, I uh, I think uh, it's about time to get your uh... origin story. That's right. It's time to hear the origin story of Dan and the Pony Bar. Um, mm. A lot of times we we go all the way back to uh, to when someone first experienced beer, but that might be too far back for you, considering how much history you have. Uh, mm. So I'm curious, maybe maybe to start with how you got involved with beer professionally and how the personal and professional intersected. What there. happened was I started bartending in college in 1992 at this really iconic bar in Syracuse. At the time, it was brand new. Last week they celebrated their 30th anniversary. Still open. Wow. Same guy still owns it. My former boss. It was Amazing. a brand new bar in a brand new part of town. The name of the bar is called Mulrooney's, Syracuse, New okay. York. And it was in a new neighborhood that was just starting out called Armory Square. Um, we only had seven beers on draft. And we were the only bar in Syracuse to do the 20-ounce Imperial Pints. And the beers we had on tap were Guinness, mm. Bass, Harp, Woodpecker Cider, Michelob, Labatt, Labatt, oh. Labatt Blue, and Labatt Blue Light. And... It was sort of at the time more of an upscale clientele. We were across the street from uh, Cooper's Library. And we were across the street from Bond Shore and King Long Law Firm. So it was a really white collar hang, and it was incredibly popular from the get go. So I had a chance back in like 1991, 1992, to try Guinness, which I'd never seen anywhere else, and try Bass Al, which was really Bass Al for me was a real gateway beer. Um, <laughs> Harp, harp yeah, similar for me in the in the yeah. early '90s and and maybe even a little the late '80s. That was like before so. before we could really before the craft beer really existed. Bass Ale and Newcastle were my always my go tos. Um, and so I worked there for two and a half years in college, and in 1994, also in Syracuse, Empire Brewing Company opened, and I left that job at Mulrooney's and got the job as a sort of a head bartender, bar manager at Empire Brewing Company in 1994, and the beers were really unique. It was a seven barrel system. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, within a year of opening, less than a year of opening, we won our first GABF medal for our Hefeweizen. And then for three oh, wow. years in a row after that, we won back to back to back golds for our Kolsch. So you're talking wheat beers and Kolsch's and different stuff back in the mid nineties in Syracuse, which was really ahead of the curve. And it was really at the forefront of what people were doing back then. Yeah, I'll say. Um, <laughs> and we were crazy busy, and the only place you can get these beers, we didn't sell any kegs. We didn't have any beer to sell. You had to come to the brewery. The brewery was three deep Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. It was crazy busy, and I was doing five nights a week. And I learned early on that a lot of people didn't know about this stuff. You know, 
they didn't yeah. know they maybe they'd heard it was made there or maybe they didn't know um the you know nobody really knew the process this is really early on in the early days of this and i learned that i found the more i knew about our product the more people were drawn in and it was really easy to engage them because it's interesting stuff and you're there for the beer and you're like as a customer you're learning firsthand about this exciting new thing from somebody like me who at the at at least appeared knowledgeable and i found the more Mm -hmm. i knew the more i could articulate what we were doing and why we were doing it the more engaged people were and we had a incredibly captive bar audience it helped that the beers were good they're great you know Sure, sure. That yeah, you can draw them in with the with a unique experience and keep them there. Effectively, exactly. Beers. And our good. food was really good. And you know, the two guys that owned it really hit the ground running. Um, and the, around this point, other brew pubs started popping up. It was that mid late nineties brew pub craze started to take off. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's beers were very good. Some people had amazing food, and beers were terrible. Some people had good, better beer. The food was so so. Um, after I graduated from Lemoyne in nine, 1996, uh, Empire opened a larger brewery in Rochester, New York, a 15 barrel system. Okay. And, uh, they said, you want to go? I said, yeah, I'll go. I'm not, you know, I'll go. And I went and, uh, <laughs> it was great. It was a great experience. I was there, I was yeah. there about a year <laughs> and a half or so. And they were going to do a third brewery in Buffalo, which they eventually did. But I left the company before then in nine and in 1997, 98, I moved to, uh, New York City. Yep. Okay. I moved to New York City and I was really struggling. I was really sort of trying mm-hmm. to find my footage as anybody that would move to New York City. Like right. back then, 20 plus years ago, 25 years ago, it was a, um, it was an expensive city to live in, but not like it is today. It's about the same time okay. I moved here. So <laughs> it, it's always been an expensive city, but not like now. Not, you know, with yeah. The, um, I moved there and I, I was really struggling and I went home to Syracuse and I was out and about and I ran into one of my friends from college and he said, uh, how's it going? I said, it's not going so hot. I've been here not quite a year and I had some okay bartending jobs, <clears throat> but he says, you should contact, um, you know, Brian Yossi. I said, no, he was all, he was two years ahead of us at Lemoyne. He's a partner in a bunch of bars. You know, like he may have a job. I don't know. So I, I, I didn't know him, um, but one of the bars he was an investor and a partner and a working partner was a bar called the Blind Tiger. And ah, so, okay, I, I, was, well. I, I was waiting for this part of the story because yes. yeah, I knew that that was part yeah. of your your thing, I, I, and I've never heard it all of it so from you. I went in there and they weren't hiring ever, like ever. You know, it was one of those like <laughs> yeah, one of those jobs. Somebody sort of has to die. Um, but they did have other bars. They had, at the time, they had four bars and were opening their fifth bar. And when I okay. moved... And which, which location was this at the, the time? Because it's not, it's not the current location, yeah, the original right? location, okay. which was on the corner of uh, 10th and Hudson, across the street from what uh, the Cowgirl Hall hmm. of Fame, which is still there. Um, right, right. They moved. The Blind Tiger moved their last... They ended up... They terminated operations there in December of nine, uh, December of '05. And then reopened in uh-huh. the new location in the spring of 07. So about a year and year and okay. a half, year and a half. Um, so they said, look, we don't have anything at the spring lounge. We don't have anything at the gate in Park Slope. We do have this new bar we we're opening. It's open. It's called the Collins Bar. We can get you like three or four shifts there. I remember that one. 
And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't care. I didn't. I would have said yes to anything. I would have said yes to anything. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I started working there, and that was an absolute bucket of blood. That was um, it was a real, <laughs> it was a real old school end of an era saloon. It was mm. a big. It had been. It was a huge shooting gallery, and we had locks on the ladies' room. But oh, wow. no locks on the men's room door because guys would go in and shoot up. And oh, somebody wow. would go and use the restroom and say, hey, there's a guy with a syringe in his arm or a syringe. So I'd have to go and get this person out of the it was it was an incredibly unique experience. I can sure. imagine that's an amazing. Incredibly unique time in New York City history. And yeah. what was more amazing about this? dump of a bar was that we had incredible beer on tap <laughs> we had um <laughs> 10 draft lines we had, had weiss stefan half of ice and we had guinness and then we had eight american you know micro brews that rotated around we usually did a bunch of stuff from park slope brewing company which was worse mm-hmm. i think six point eventually came out in red hook um we had a few brooklyn lines we always had a chelsea line or two we used to do a lot of stuff with like red hook uh, Pacific Northwest, Widmer Brothers out of the Pacific Northwest, uh, Pyramid Brewing Company out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah. Local, like Mendocino, like just whatever was available. There wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of stuff. This is like 1998, so there wasn't a ton of stuff. Yeah. Know? Now, if, if this is the place I'm remembering, didn't they also have kind of a focus on whiskey as well? Like a big giant chalkboard behind Mad. the bar with all the different whiskeys yep, they, they had. had. Yeah. Whiskey and rye chalkboard, and then they had another equally big. But not as in depth tequila selection of añejos, rosados, right. and you know blancos, and it was. You remember this is the '90s, and it was sort of Times Square, mm. and we had a staggering amount of prostitution <laughs> that would come in, and we had a policy: prostitutes, you could talk to the guy on your left, or you could talk to your guy on your right. Well, if you spoke to yeah. both of them, that's solicitation, and you have to go. Ah. On, on rainy nights, on rainy nights, and it was a shoebox of a bar, and it was a shotgun. Yeah. It was like four feet wide, and on rainy nights or cold nights, you know, one prostitute comes in, and another, and another, and I was saying, you know, they're not working, they're drinking, they're incredibly generous tippers, and that from their yeah. employers looking for them, and then there's issues with them, and mm-hmm. then there's issues with the Johns, and then you've had all these issues, and I'm just trying to sell Park Slope Nut Brown on tap for four bucks a foot. And- <laughs> And I was my first night on the job. I was given a tire iron that was wrapped in electrical tape. They said, Good luck. And they gave me the keys. I had just moved to New York City. Despite bartending for six years, it's not the same in New York. And I was handed up (laughs) a tire iron. And they said, Good luck. That's all I said. Didn't say anything else. Oh my gosh. You couldn't do that anymore. You couldn't do that today. You know, no. And, no, 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 no. So I worked there, and then I started getting shifts at the Blind Tiger. So I was getting shifts at the Spring Lounge and filling in, and then mm-hmm. that was a, a great. That was great. That was great. And the, I'd fill in at the Blind Tiger on my nights off, and people like and my, you know, coworkers of sorts, the people I'd be bartending with, they'd be like, you work at the Commons Bar? Where is crazy? There, <laughs> totally crazy. It's it's a it's like a circus. <laughs> Talk about paying yeah, your dues. Yeah, it was. Um, that, to me, that's that. That's also like an essentially to me like a New York story is no matter how good you are at your job and how many years you put in somewhere else, yeah. you get to New York on some yeah. level or another, you're going to have to start yeah. at the bottom. 
not not quite the bottom, but you're not going to your your experience is only going to get you so far. I thought I had a really good resume. Six years, GABF brewery, yeah. head bartender, bar manager, all this crazy vision. And then nobody nobody gives our ass ass. Nobody cares in New York City. Nobody cares what you did. They only care about what you're doing, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, so. I was also, I got, I, it, working at Empire Brewing Company in Rochester, we had this guy who was a regular customer. He had reti- he had mm. been a writer in New York for like Business Week, retired, moved home. He's in his early 60s, maybe. And he said, I heard you're moving to New York City. I said, yeah, I'm going to move to New York City. He goes, look, one of my best friends is a guy named Dale DeGroff. He runs this bar called the Rainbow Room in Rockefeller Center. I'd never heard of it. You know, I didn't know anything about anything. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah. look. Why don't you give me your resume and I'll get it to him. And I had just made a resume because I was moving and I got it to him. And then Dale reached out and said, look, why don't you come down? Why don't you come to the rainbow room and see me? And I went thinking maybe I'll have a job at the rainbow room, which is it's a union yeah. shop. You're not going anywhere. Near, you know, yeah, surprised yeah. they let me in the door. Yeah. And I went up and met with him and he says, look, I'm looking for a personal assistant of sorts to help me on jobs. And it doesn't pay a ton of money, but it's fun. And I said, okay, well, I'm around. I have a, you, know, you, have to, you have to have a suit, you know, I have to wear a suit and you work with me. I said, yep, I've got a couple of suits. I got that. And um, <laughs> he, he, Dale is sort of a crazy famous bartender. He's the king cocktail and he mixologies mm-hmm. his thing. Mm-hmm. He was the, he sort of had the contract to bartend at the Penthouse Mansion on the Upper East Side, which was owned by Bob Guccione, the founder of Penthouse Mag- Magazine and um, General wow. Media. So whenever not a lot of advertisers would advertise in adult content branded stuff, you'd have tobacco, uh-huh. right. liquor, tobacco and liquor and a f- few other things. So whenever there was like Cravassier would come out with a new spirit, they would do, maybe they'd do a blowout party at the penthouse mansion. So I'd get to go and put my suit on and go bartend at the penthouse mansion, uh, which was wild. There's another wild story. And, you know, it was great. It was Dale really, Dale helped me get my first job in the city and he helped me get on my, find my footing. And we're still in touch to this day. And I, I'm eternally grateful to him and everything he did for me, you know, as a favor to his friend who I really didn't know that well. How do you get from being the personal assistant and, and chasing away prostitutes or pimps or whoever? I'm sorry, you, you said the, the, the more uh, culturally sensitive managers, but all the, managers. all the colorful crew you had at the Collins Bar and how did you... How did you make that transition to being in a bar owner? In between that whole late 90s nonsense and Lansdowne Road, which was 2006, a massive yeah. window in my life um, called Puck Fair. And Puck Fair. Oh, yeah, I remember that place. I yeah. left all the jobs, you know, Dale and the Collins Bar and the Blind Tiger. I left everything behind to open this bar in May of 2000 called Puck Fair. And it's owned by the same guys that own okay. Swift in the East Village. Um, uh-huh. They have Ulysses down in the financial district and they have other bars. Now they've expanded, but this, mm-hmm. this was at, their, at the time their second bar and they were looking for like a head bartender bar manager. And I got the job. And that is where I had this love of American made beer, which we didn't have at Puck Fair. It was Puck Fair was a machine and it was one of the busiest bars in New York city. We did between 20 and 24 kegs of Guinness every week, week in, week out, year round. Wow. Five wow. kegs of Stella, five kegs of Bass, five kegs of Harp, three kegs of Newcastle. This was, a, you know, five kegs of Magner Cider. This, again, this was that segue mm-hmm. from what was 
common commonplace. The imported beers were massive in New York. So import it's an import city. And I mean, for the longest time until craft really yeah. took off, imports were the only thing someone yeah. who actually liked good beer could go for. There just weren't a lot of American options. If you were into better beer, you'd go out and spend your time looking for Fullers, looking for Youngs, looking for that type of stuff that, you know, the you know, Schneiderweises mm-hmm. and the Weissefonders and all this stuff because there wasn't like you know, the American stuff didn't really exist. And if the stuff that did exist wasn't really in New York City. Um, fair was yeah. six years, t- you know, time of my life. And then <laughs> the connection was that all the bartenders, all of them from Scruffy Duffy's used to come to the Collins Bar for after hours. So they'd okay. get down around mm-hmm. 4, 4.15 in the morning and come into the Collins Bar. And they were all from Ireland. They were all these young Irish guys, uh-huh. mid-20s, late-20s, mm-hmm. early-20s, come in and drink till 6, 7, 8 in the morning. I left the Collins Bar and that whole crew of these Irish guys followed me to Puck Fair. For, at Puck Fair for years, I was the only American that worked there. Oh, cool. uh, everybody was from yeah. Ireland. And th- so from there... You know, in the bar business, it's it's there's a big bit of reciprocation. You know, you come and see me on your night off, and I go see you on my night off, or I bring my dates in, or you bring your dates in, or your, your folks are in from Ireland, you're bringing the Puck Fair. Um, so that's how I got to meet, got to know my former business partner a little bit. And uh, he owns Scruffy Duffy's, and he was looking, he had a lease, he was going to do a second spot, and he had a guy who's going to be his partner. And at some point, it didn't come to fruition. Um, I mm-hmm. think his potential partner got cold feet. We were just getting ready to start construction and my partner was scrambling to find somebody. I was looking to do my own place. I've been looking to do my own place for a long time. Never had enough money. It wasn't something I was going to be able to do alone. I had a partner. We had, I, you know, I had a partner, but he, we didn't really have any money. We had some money and then we couldn't find a space. And so when I saw this opportunity, I, I jumped at it and in September of 06, we opened Lansdowne Road with the idea at that point, I think Scruffy Duffy's was month to month on the lease, the buildings being sold mm-hmm. and the high rise that's there today was that was eventually in the works back then. Um, so we opened Lansdowne Road, September of 06, Scruffy Duffy's closed, I want to say February of 08. Well, now my business okay. partner is mm-hmm. like, look. You want to do another bar? And I didn't really have any money because all the money I had, which was substantial, I put into Lansdowne. And he's yeah. like, well, let's, do you want to do it? I said, do you have any, he says, do you have any ideas or any concepts? I said, I do. I have an idea. I have a concept and I have a name. So I laid it out for him mm. and he liked the organization aspect. He didn't think American beer would sell in any capacity. He yeah. had his scruffy duffies. Mm. He had two American beers. He had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And he had uh, a beer from Chelsea Brewing Company. And mm-hmm. he was like, look, Sierra Nevada doesn't sell. It sells what? Two kegs a week, which was a lot. But when you're selling 18 yeah. kegs of Guinness a week, it doesn't right, really right. sell. But two kegs is nothing to sneeze at. It wasn't anything to sneeze at back then, nor is it today. Two kegs a week of one one beer is a, is a good number. Um, so he says, look, let's start looking around. So there had been a bad fire at the bar up the street. And... It was, you know, it was a really bad fire. Nobody was injured, but the business was damaged and not coming back. So we went and talked to the owners of the building, the father and son that owned it. And they said, look, we really don't want to put a bar there or a restaurant. We want to do retail. This was uh, spring of 08, and there wasn't any retail opening on 10th Avenue. 
in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. So we right. went to them, and then they went out. Because of the aforementioned clientele. Yes, exactly. Still was, yes. And then they went out and got a broker. And then they were shopping the space for months and months, and we'd check in from time to time. And then finally they called us and said, look, why don't you come and, come and talk to us about your idea? So we told them. I told them. And they said, look, we want to give you the space because we see you seven days a week next door. So we know you're going to be here. Right. You're already here. You already have a thriving store. We want to give it to you. They gave us a decent deal on the rent. And they couldn't understand that we were not going to have a chef. We were not going to offer desserts. We were not going to do appetizers. We were not going to have a table service. We we're going to do these 20 beers on tap, American made only. No, they couldn't, they couldn't wrap their head around the fact that we weren't going to have Heineken. We we're going to do these giant boards and they're like, they just, they, the, the landlord couldn't envision it. And my partner's like, look, we'll give it, we'll give it yeah. one year. We'll give it one year. And here we are almost 13 years later. Well, you know, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, this is the first time we've heard the origin story of the Pony Bar, but the Pony Bar has factored greatly into many of our origin stories. Uh, you mm-hmm. talked about, uh, you know, Guinness, uh, or, or actually talking about Bass being your gateway. Yeah. The Pony was my gateway to the world of American craft beer, uh, because it was someplace you could go, and and it's very, it was very overwhelming. Every time you take someone there for the first time, it's very overwhelming. Like, how do I, you usually have to, like, order the first beer for them. <laughs> so, like, you'll, and, then, and then sort of explain the whole menu system, but... If they were, it was easy to hook someone once they, it didn't take much to figure it out, but it was uh, because you had a, all the beers were the same, very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. They, they only differed in the size of the glasses. And, uh, and I always loved that, uh, that happy hour that you still have from 420 to 520. And my st- strategy was always order the short pours during the happy yeah. hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people still do that. Could you, you Yeah. But uh, but yeah, in fact, uh, the, the uh, there's a, a a soundbite we often play sometimes uh, from the uh, the Belgian babe is right here. There's nutmeg in here because this happened. That <laughs> there was a time uh, <laughs> when uh, I was I was almost going to try and cut out the whole story, but uh, I'm, I, we have enough material here. I, I don't think we we would have room for that anyway. That's all about one time uh, when uh, was when she first met me. She thought she didn't like beer, and we experienced the Pony Bar together. For the both, first time for both of us, I hadn't even I, I knew I liked beer better than she did, but I said oh, I've been I heard about this place it was probably a year or two after you opened, and we walked in and uh, within a year uh, we had signed up for a trip you were taking to uh, Stout. Oh Blue. yeah, yeah, that was the winter fest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and you had Allagash White on the yes. bus. And she, I don't think she'd ever tasted a beer that had nutmeg in it. So she was like, it was a very a delight, delightful surprise. There's nutmeg in here. Um, when she, we do these bus trips, we have to have beers that's accessible to everybody. We just can't have, you know, four kegs of double yeah. IPA. First of all, right. we'll be all loaded when we get to wherever we're going. <laughs> we have to have yeah. lower, you know, lower ABV stuff. But, you know, back to the, with the opening of the Pony, I was incredibly fortunate that I had phenomenal bartenders that were able to sort of see my vision and execute it as it was intended to be. We weren't beer snobs. We were beer enthusiasts and nobody it's because you're right, Glenn, it's intimidating to walk in and like, ah, where's the Heineken? And yeah. And I recall is you had, you had in addition to the 20 beers that no one may have heard of in case anyone really couldn't get past that. You always had Budweiser. We, we, We stopped carrying Bud 
maybe 10 years ago, but we, we still to this day carry Bud Light. We always we don't promote yeah. it. We don't advertise it. We don't show up. But if you ask for a Coors Light or a Stella or or Bud, we, we, we do we do offer bottles of Bud Light. And they say, okay, I'll just I'll have that. You know, yeah. and it's it's fine. Yeah. It'll you know, it's fine. You know, like I said, we're not beer snobs, but I had great bartenders, phenomenal bartenders. That even if you weren't really into that beer, and if you really weren't into beer in general, we did have liquor, we do have wine. Mm-hmm. But it was meant to be a comfortable, inviting place with welcoming service. And I feel like a lot of our success came from that bigger picture. If we had just pigeonholed to beer, I think we would have been successful, but not as successful because we had these five great full-time bartenders that really nailed yeah. the execution. And, you know, they did a phenomenal job in conveying the vision and making people feel comfortable. We weren't playing top 40. We weren't playing. You're not going to go in and have a Heineken listen to Britney Spears. You're going to come in. You're going to have right. uh, some esoteric beer from a city you've never heard of. And you're going to listen to a, a B-side of the Allman Brothers, you know. Yeah. And at that point, no, no, no TVs with sports going on. We always anymore. had, we always had the two TVs and we still have two TVs. Oh, you yeah, did? Okay. Yeah. Really yep. not on unless you want them on. If you want them on, we'll put them on for you. Simply ask. If you come yeah, in and yeah. like. Okay. So there were, there was some, it was not a focus we, though, to we be sure. We do have Not them. like it was at some other um, places. Yeah, we do have them. And they're off unless somebody wants to watch well, yeah, I think that I, there's more at the at the second location. Uh, I, now, yeah, I guess let's let's sort of go back a little bit. So the place we're talking about is at 45th and 10th. When did the uh, second location? How many years in uh, was that? Because I was there the night you opened, but I, I don't remember how many years. I in think it was. I have some photos of you actually. I could probably find <laughs> very likely. Um, yeah, I looked. Well, yeah, it was so great because we uh, you have this this system where if you drink a hundred unique beers, you're you get the shirt and you get special privileges. And one of the privileges was you had the opening night bar with only people who had that yep. shirt. Uh, and it was an open bar Correct. for all of us. Absolutely. It was great. So we opened yeah. in April. Of- well, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask. So, cause the all American program is one that like is known for how did, how did that come out and how did that start it, sort of, what was the origin of that? It started out of sheer panic that nobody, <laughs> nobody was going to come to 10th Avenue. Now you got to remember back in 08 and 09 when we were under construction open, all those high rises on 11th Avenue were not there. All those high rises further right. south on 10th were not there. Some of the high rises further north on 10th and 11th were not there. Um, there was no Hudson Yards. Like, we were sort of on an island. And having been a bartender at the Blind Tiger, we had that um, kind of sewer club, which I think was 51 right. different beers. Um, okay. And I was optimistic that if if the three of us worked together, and you drink mm-hmm. vodka tonics, you'll drink whatever, and I'm into this craft thing. If I can get one person to start working on this card, there's it creates a larger connection to the place. Um, and yeah. people can come in, look at their cards, and say, oh, I remember I came here that night. I was on a date. I never saw that person again. Or I came here, I saw I was on a date. Or I, went, I came, this is the day I got fired. Or this is the day I got my promotion. Or this is the day I, my, I found out my wife was pregnant. Or whatever. People... Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I, have, I have a couple friend who live in my neighborhood who had their first date ever. They're married now. They had their first date ever at the point. I've, bar. I've, I don't know a lot about online dating, but I know that there's a, we're a really popular place for the, you swipe. Yeah. Uh, it t- it's t- Tinder. Yeah. And you swipe and people will come in and that's where they meet. And I've heard all these stories. About we met, oh, okay. We had our first date at the Pony and I were married. Um, Pony had our one year anniversary party at the Pony, Hell's Kitchen, 
open bar for all Americans. Right. Second anniversary was 2011. We held it at Lansdowne Road because we had so many people. Third right. one was at the Upper East Side, which was the launch of the new store. We opened to the public in May yeah. of 2012. Uh, so almost okay. like three years, almost mm-hmm. of the month that we opened Hell's Kitchen. And um, we did it with an All-American event at night. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're nine, nine and a half years at the new location, which is not new anymore. It's just the newer. No, well, yeah, and, yeah. Now, now it's, it's the only. Yeah, yeah now it's the, it's, it's the it pony bar. It's like just like the Blind Tiger, they had the the original thing, and but they're still carrying on the spirit and a different address. Right. When when did it become the only address? The How original location been? closed. We I think we announced it in December of sixteen, and we closed the public in January of seventeen. Yeah. Okay, so it's been been uh, four going on yeah, five years. Yeah, yeah, uh, almost five years. Yeah, it was an arduous. Now it's, it, it, go ahead. And one of the things you seem to have changed with the with the new location is that it used to be just the draft and mm-hmm. and and of course the Budweiser if you were so inclined, and then you recently added I don't not recently probably a couple a year a year or so in you started doing the Dan's cans yeah thing. yeah and that's that's what we're sampling yeah, today. Yeah, twenty eighteen I think. What was happening is that breweries were coming to New York with the city for the first time, and they weren't sending kegs; yeah. they were sending cans, and. People were coming in and say, hey, do you have this, do you have that, do you have this? And you're like, breweries that you would know. Like, if you're in the beer world, there are breweries that you would know. I was like, oh, no, we don't have this. We don't have that because we're draft only. And we were missing out. And I said, well, we have to try something. We have to. Let's, I didn't think they were going to sell. I said, let's get these cans. They're all 16-ounce yeah. cans. Uh, again, All-American. We'll sort of see how they do. And they've done phenomenal for us um, because – there's a ton of stuff, even from breweries in New York City, that will only release stuff in package. And you can't, so right. you couldn't even get a keg. So you miss out on the whole thing if you don't do the can. So, right. so like this, this drowned lands I'm having today, I've never seen on draft. You know? So right. it worked out very well. Yeah, that's, I mean, I always see that when I go to places that are like part bar, part bottle shop, even those places, they have a much larger selection of can, but I, I always, I always try and go for the draft first, mostly because that's the unique experience I can have. Correct. In a bar. And yeah. more and more product is coming out cans only. A lot of that's pandemic mm-hmm. related. Um, as yeah. draft year sort sure. of went under the rule. That may be part of the reason we're even seeing drowned lands here right. at all. I see a lot of yeah. places there are more obscure breweries that that are that are doing more distribution because they're just not they can't they used to sell it all at their location yeah. and now no one can go in there. And so nobody's really traveling, nobody's it. driving anywhere like that really. Right, right. Yep. So it's a different experience. So a lot of this stuff's become available to us in cans, you know. No, and I guess speaking of 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 that, those particular phenomena, I know it's like for all of us, especially for any business owners of uh, bars and other business owners as well. But that's what we're talking about now. I know it's been a, a rough year and a half for for you guys at the at the Pony. Uh, I know it, you have that great little outdoor seating area there now. Um, but even so, uh, at one point, didn't you have to shut down for a few months? And then, uh, and and even now, you're you're open six days a week rather than seven, right? Effective today, we went live for <gasps> seven days. So today's our first Monday being open. Um, oh wow! That well, makes me so happy to have you here today to yes. do that, <laughs> to announce that, and we will hey, certainly put uh, that in three the three o'clock. We'll open on our first Monday in a long since before Christmas. Uh, oh, wow. that's, that's that's awesome! Congratulations! It's, yeah, you, you constantly dancing around the regulations and the stipulations of what people can and can't do, what businesses can and can't do, and then what customers can and can't do. Um, right. We closed March 16th, like the rest of the world. 
certainly the rest of America. Yeah. After a couple of months, we reopened towards the end of May just to sort of see what would happen. Um, right. I had some great kegs. I had some great kegs, and I had some cans, and I said, let me just open to the public and sort of see if anybody comes in. Because well, at the yeah. time, you, all you heard about was half a million people left New York City, half a million people left New York City. But uh, yeah. the response was really positive. Uh, we were intermittently busy. Like We weren't busy enough to be open every day, but we were busy enough to be open three or four days a week from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we'd be crazy busy mm-hmm. for six hours, and you know, at 9 o'clock, you couldn't see anybody on the streets. Um, we did that through the fall, and then it became obvious with the colder weather and with Governor Cuomo saying no more inside dining in New York City. We closed again, and we reopened March 10th. And things have been pretty good. It's, they haven't been great, but we're paying the bills and we're hanging in there. I'm Again, I'm incredibly fortunate that I've got some great bartenders. They want to be there and they... You sure do, yeah. We, we were yeah. just in there. When we, when we went in to pick up this beer, it was, uh, it was Jen and Courtney, wasn't it? Jen and yeah, Courtney, cool. yeah. They were fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Courtney's amazing. Jen's great. Um, you know, I'm lucky that I have the crew that I have. Uh, the people, the people, just, you know, not everybody came back. You know, yeah, so, right. but the people right. that are there wanted to come back and I wanted them back and they've been great. They've been great for the shop, you know, um, but we would go to seven days a week effective today uh, and effective today. Great. We're doubling down on our happy hour. So instead of from 420 to 620, it's now instead of 420 to 520, it's now 420 to 620. So we've doubled it during the, you know. Whoa. Well, very good. Well, then, uh, if, I, if, if you're not paying attention, you heard that first here, the Pony Happy Hour for the first time double, ever is a double, full two hours. That is. It's uh, happy hours. That is a, that's a challenge, Dan, and I'm willing to accept it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 you're the only place, uh, mo- not many places when they say happy hour literally only mean one, one hour. So I'm uh, glad those, to, those, wow, those double happy hour. Sort of try to replicate what we've done and are doing the one hour thing. We're up to two hours. So today is our first Monday being open. So on Mondays moving forward, we're going to do an all night, all day, all night, happy hour on Monday and $2 tacos. Sort of kick things off and see business has been okay. It hasn't been great. It's been okay. Um, It was a long summer, you know, it was a long summer and uh, August lasted about six months, I think. You know, August. Yeah, I think August yeah. is the slowest month about right. for us every year, consistently, and this year was no exception. So, but yeah. Well, uh, hope hope thing. Any other? Uh, okay, so we've got seven days a week. We've got two hour <laughs> happy hour. Is there anything uh, else uh, coming forward? What what? Any other exciting things coming uh, down the line? Yeah, the we're going to do some more proprietary signature events. I think um, we just That's had great. our first event. Since the pandemic, we had an event last week with JFB Brewing out of Ohio. They won two GAVF medals uh, a couple weeks ago. They're called JFB? JAFB Worcester Worcester Brewing. Oh, JAFB. Yeah. Okay, what 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 city? Worcester, Ohio. Well, Dan, thanks thanks so much for 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 coming on the show. Uh, it's uh, wow, well, I, I almost feel like we should have made it a two parter. There's exactly. so much uh, to well, cover. Well, listen, now that we have the technology, um, we have the technology. <laughs> we do. So maybe down the road, you know. Um, Absolutely. After a few months, after a few months, we can check in and see how all of these new announcements you're making on the show are working out. So, Um, absolutely. (laughs) I can't thank you enough for having me on. It was great. Um, Thank you for all the support of the Pony Bar over the years. I really appreciate it. It means an awful lot. 
Um, hopefully, I'll see it in, in you know in the flesh sooner than later at some point. Yeah. I, yeah, we certainly hope so. Well, I you, definitely, I mean, you definitely will. You definitely will. Why am I saying yes. you hope and, so? We'll definitely and, be there. I mean, Dan, you really are the source of this whole Beer Avenger adventure. Without you, I don't think that our collective would have come together. So thank yeah. you for and, that. And, you know? and you, all you have to do is listen to our first five episodes to hear like there. I mean, we kept talking about it after that, but like you were have you've been heavily featured in the whole run really of the show. Um, and I'm very proud of the brand. I'm very proud of what we've done. Um, it's it's been an amazing it's been an amazing ride, really. So I, I mean, like I said, we, we would never have done it without the, the my employees, my bartenders, and the, the customers. You know, the guests are what truly make it what it is. You know. Well, if, if anyone out there is curious about the, all those episodes I talked about, you can find any of our complete full archive at thebeervengers.com. Uh, you can look us up. Uh, you can, if you have questions, you can uh, reach out to us at thebeervengers at gmail.com. All the social media is at, at thebeervengers. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Beer Wonder. Thank you so much. For and, uh, oh, look, I think uh, here is Huck to play us out. We're the beer, 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 beer Avengers, beer, 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 beer Avengers, beer, 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 beer Avengers. We're, We're the, the beer Avengers. Avengers.